never one to miss a prime investment opportunity, I picked up some inexpensive houses in the 2000s. The housing bubble had just burst, and people were frantic to offload any debt they had. I moved myself down to Texas, where several houses had gone up for sale, and the prices were dirt cheap. Wanting to get in quickly, I picked up some that I could renovate while I was down there, then ramp up my purchasing after I got settled. I typically lived a minimalist lifestyle while I did this, not being tied down to one place with lots of technology, furniture, or family. I wanted to retire early and then spend my days traveling the world. That's why when this market turned and the opportunity came up, I jumped at it. The town I purchased in had been hit pretty hard by the crash. A couple local builders had been standing up house after house in the area. They got so far ahead of themselves that they overstretched their resources. When the buyers dried up, they were left with several houses they couldn't finish due to cash flow issues. Because of this, there were several streets of what I'll call house graveyards, skeletons of what should have been single-family homes left to rot in the sun and rain, likely never to be completed while the bankruptcies and litigation played out over several years. Those people who had purchased these homes at top dollar found themselves quickly underwater. I scooped up three of these houses with cash offers way below asking price. These desperate people had to take the deal, though. There were simply no other buyers in sight. I pulled my truck and travel trailer to the one I planned on renovating first. The inside had been pretty beat up. I couldn't help but notice that some of the damage looked intentional. I shrugged it off, going back to my truck and bringing in my bags and tools so I could get started on the house right away. My dog, Red, jumped out of the cab too, eager to start sniffing and exploring our new home. After getting my mattress set up and some things organized, I thought it would be a good opportunity to take Red for a walk. After grabbing his leash, I also snagged a taser from my bag, something I always carried with me. Being in this business long enough, and going into enough allegedly empty buildings, he sometimes stumbled on crazy people. I learned to always carry it with me, just in case. To say the streets of this neighborhood were creepy was an understatement. The graveyard of framed houses was dark and dreary. The street was illuminated by a handful of street lights and the fading light of the sunset. It was also still and quiet for the most part, but in an unsettling way. Every living thing here, animals, people, they all left, leaving these structures to fall over and decay on their own. There was a slight breeze, which was enough to push on the construction doors that had been left open, unlocked. They occasionally made slamming noises as they bashed into the door frames. Each time it happened, Red would jump, and I didn't blame him. I was starting to wonder if there were squatters in these houses. It wouldn't be that unusual. About halfway down the street, I decided it was time to go back. Even Red was putting his paws down, resisting going any further down the street. I started to turn and head back down the road, and that's when I heard it. The strangest sound like a baby crying. There's no way there's a baby in one of these houses, left abandoned and alone. Red was beside himself, barking relentlessly from where the sound was coming from. I had to admit I was a little put off myself, the sound being totally out of place. 
I tied Red to a nearby fixture and started to approach the house. No matter what this was, I needed to check it out, just in case there actually was a baby in here. The sun was almost completely set now, casting dim rays of red through the mostly unfinished structure. Light filtering through the unfinished roof and framing, I had to tread carefully to avoid tripping over the building materials that were placed haphazardly throughout the house. The sound of the crying baby getting louder and louder as I ventured further in. As I made my way to what would have been the living room and back door, the house began to open up, giving me a clearer view into the space. The back of the house was very open, allowing what remained of the sunlight to illuminate the area. That's when I saw a figure standing there, silhouetted against the sunset. They were wearing dark clothing and had a large hood up and covering their features. Possibly the most unsettling thing in this moment, though, was that the sound of the crying baby seemed to be coming from this person. Hello? I called out. My voice sounded quiet, competing with the screams of the baby. Excuse me, is everything all right? The sound of the baby ceased quite suddenly then. I was frozen to the spot, an overwhelming fear taking over. The figure turned and approached me, covering the gap and coming into view. They removed their hood, revealing an old, haggardly-looking woman only. She had a beak for a mouth. I gasped involuntarily at the horrific sight of this person. Her body continued to deform, as if cued by my fear. Bony appendages seemed to burst from her back and spread to the left and right of her, like, wings. The beak opened then and out came an ear-piercing shriek. I slammed my hands to my ears, trying to block out the noise. Panic took me and I turned and made my retreat as quickly as I could. Red was apoplectic, tied up and barking non-stop. I untied him and we ran for it back to the house. As we made our way down the street, the shriek changed slightly, changing its timbre and rhythm. It now sounded like it was laughing at me. I called the police as soon as I got back. They arrived at my house first, and then we went back over to the unfinished house. Of course, there was no sign of the old woman after we arrived. So what did you say this person looked like? Asked the officer. She was wearing a hood, gray hair, and... I started to say, but then paused, realizing how ridiculous this was going to sound. And what? said the officer. She had a beak instead of a mouth, I said. The officer stopped writing in his notepad and looked up at me. I'm sorry, did you say a beak? He said. Yes, sir, a beak. Maybe it was just really dark in there, I don't know. That's what I thought I saw, though, I replied. The officer closed his notebook then and placed his pen in his front pocket. He motioned for me to walk with him and he turned on his flashlight to start scanning the houses again. Did you take any time and look into why this town looks like this before you moved? He asked. This was an odd question, I thought. What does this have to do with the police report I was giving? Mostly on the market. Real estate pricing, rentals. I moved here as an investment, I said. Why do you ask? Well, what you're looking at here is the result of a lot of greed in this town. So much money flying around. People mostly outsiders trying to get rich, he explained. Been here my whole life, 
didn't used to be like that. Mostly locals from here get by only with what they need. I stood there listening, following the beam of light with my eyes. He didn't really seem to be searching for anything. People said there was a curse on the town because of it. Are you superstitious? The officer asked me. Not really, I replied. I feel like most anything can be explained. Well, I used to feel that way. I don't know what happened tonight. Conversation was cut off there by a metallic sound coming from above, which drew the officer's attention. They shined their light at one of the streetlights, and perched on it was a large white owl. It was an unusual sight. You don't see owls normally, and this one showed up right in front of us. It also seemed to be evaluating us, staring with its beady, dark eyes. The police officer stared right back at it, not letting it leave his sight. I looked over at him and could tell he was nervous. Something about this owl showing up had really seemed to upset him. After a moment or two of silent observation of the owl, he clicked off his light and started to head back to his car. I think I have everything I need, he said. Are you sure? I asked, chasing after him a bit. You didn't write down my description of the woman. I got it, he said curtly. And hey, why don't you stay out of these houses, all right? If something's lurking around, best to avoid it. There's nothing of interest in this place anyway. I stood there as he got into his car and started to drive away leaving me in the dark street. I looked up at the owl once more, which was still staring down at me. I walked back to my house, maybe feeling even less secure. That interaction with the police officer was weird. He knew something, and he was very concerned about that owl for some reason. The next day, I took a pause on my renovations to head out to the library. The officer asked about me doing research, and... Maybe now was a good time to find out more about the town's history. The library downtown was small, primitive by today's standards. Local funding for the establishment was low to begin with, and since the crash it had essentially evaporated. There were a handful of microfilm readers, though, which were some of the only reliable repositories of local newspapers. I loaded the film and watched as the machine whirred quietly and the images flashed across the screen at speed. It didn't take long to find something strange. Using the zoom wheel, I focused in on one article in particular. At the height of the market, several unexplained things started getting reported in the newspaper. Multiple people had gone missing, and for the most part, there were no witnesses to any of it. People just seemed to up and vanish, as if they were plucked off the earth from the sky. One article caught my eye in particular, a man who claimed to have seen what was causing the disappearances, but the paper was clearly trying to discredit him. It read as follows. After another tragic disappearance, this time of a small child, some have gone to the streets to spout superstition and doomsday prophecies. We caught up with one of these individuals downtown, who is more than happy to tell us their story. It's the Lechuza, they told us. Lechuza, which is the Spanish word for owl, didn't have much meaning to us, so we pressed for more information. It's our fault. We brought this on ourselves, they shouted. The witch brings evil tidings. Something terrible is coming. 
We ask the man if it's a witch or an owl that he's talking about. She's both and neither, is all we were given for an answer. The unfortunate disappearances of many townspeople have caused quite a stir in our small community. Local authorities continue to recommend calling in any plausible tips to their offices. In the meantime, everyone is advised to remain calm and allow the authorities to do their jobs. When asked about the wild speculation of some individuals in town, Chief of Police Garcia said they are not hunting a witch, ghost, or anything supernatural, and that everyone should stay grounded in reality. Several things stuck out to me from this article. Even though this person they interviewed was framed to sound crazy, there was a lot that they had said that felt eerily familiar to my own experience. I read the word lechuza again, a Spanish word for owl. Instantly, I thought back to my interaction with a police officer the night before, how he stared at that owl and then immediately wanted to leave. Did he know something? Something terrible is coming they had said. The words stuck in my head and sent a chill down my spine. I certainly felt like I was in danger coming face to face with that thing. Could seeing it mean that something even bigger was coming? After exhausting what was available in the local newspapers, I returned home to continue the renovations. Only I couldn't shake what I read from my mind. I had a distinct feeling like I should just pack up now, run away as if the appearance of this thing should be enough for me to reconsider the investment I had made. I was already committed, though, locked into the houses I was planning to flip. That night I went to my room to start getting ready for bed, when Red became inconsolable. He was growling at the window, looking out on the street. Pulling back the blinds, I couldn't see anything out there, just a barren street, not even a car parked outside. That's when I heard the sound a whistling noise ever so slight. It was just outside, and it was gaining in volume. Red started whimpering, running in circles with his tail tucked between his hind legs. The whistling became louder and louder, till I had to go find out what was going on. I grabbed the taser from my nightstand as I always did, and shoved it into my pocket. I ran out into the street, looking around for any sign of a person lurking around the house. Then I turned to face my front door and I saw it, standing on the roof, a giant, bird-like figure, a wingspan wider than I am tall, the face of the old woman, but deformed into a grotesque blend of owl and human. The whistling stopped, and the thing sat there for a moment, wings outstretched and breathing heavily. Then it swooped forward toward me, claws out, it grabbed me by the shoulders, and before I could react, I was in the air. It was carrying me up and away. Several feet at a time, the altitude grew. Red had broken out of the house and was chasing us from below, barking hysterically. I looked up at the thing, which was looking forward intently on the flight path we were taking. I tried to struggle free of its claws, but it had an iron grip on me. In a panic, I checked my pockets for anything I could use for escape. That's when I remembered the taser. I grabbed it and jammed the electrical contacts onto the thing's legs. It shrieked as I compressed the button, sending an electrical current into the creature. I felt it too, a shock to my body that was overwhelmingly painful. I cried out from the pain just as the creature let go of me. 
Then I was falling, falling from a dangerous height onto some rolling hills just outside of the neighborhood. I landed with a snap and felt my legs break. I screamed then, pain shooting through my body. I don't know how high I fell from, but the injury and pain was crippling. From a distance, I could hear Red barking, trying to catch up to me. I was completely consumed with the pain from my injuries, not able to concentrate, and that's when I blacked out, body attempting to cope with the catastrophic event. I awoke some time later to Red licking my face. The pain was still there, coursing through my body with relentless persistence. I grabbed Red and gave him a hug, the only comfort nearby that I could cling to. The creature was gone, flown away after it got shocked. Only, it had left me stranded on this hillside overlooking the town. I regretted ever coming here, letting my ambition take control. I hadn't been nearly careful enough about where I set up shop. The wind started to pick up then. The rolling thunder could be heard in the distance. I looked more closely, trying to look over the town, which was lit only by the streetlights, given it was late in the evening. Red whimpered again, looking on with me. I could see flashes of lightning in the distance, and they started to get closer. The wind picked up even more. A thunderous torrent of air started in and was becoming very intense. And then I saw it, the swirling winds, the vortex that was headed right for the town and in a direct path toward me. I heard the tornado sirens then, only way too late for anyone to possibly escape. I watched on as the force of nature began tearing the ground and anything in its path apart. I held Red close, watching on, rendered helpless and supine from my injury. Left to think about what that man had said, what had been ignored. That the ambition and greed of the town had brought something down on them. I looked on, waiting for the winds to take me, to consume every last inch, to cleanse away the impurities. A disaster that we'd all been warned about, but were too stupid or maybe too arrogant to listen. <laughs>